welcome to the How Stuff Works Probably podcast. As always, I am your faithful host, Nathaniel, and with me again is our second starring guest of this appearing season of the How Stuff Works Probably podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Charlie again. Hi, Charlie. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I don't believe you. Okay. Okay. We'll just leave it at that. Do you anything fun recently? I don't know. Shaved a couple dogs, went to the chiropractor. That sounds like a riveting time. We'll have to get into more detail about that at another time. So today, um, I want to start by prefacing that we have a continuing um, vote going on to in, in basically explain the order of the universe and how it's funded. And currently, the vote is three for Paul and none for Steve. So as of right now, the leading theory is for how string theory works, in other words, the grand macrocosm of our universe and how it works, is that a, currently a kitten named Paul bats, bats around a ball of yarn. And that leads one event to the other, thus creating the strings that attach all of us together in this web of life. So if you want to continue to send your answers in, please email us at HowStuffWorksProbably at gmail.com. Once again, that email is HowStuffWorksProbably at gmail.com. Do you have anything to add, Charlie? Uh, we probably should do the explicit warning. Okay, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. We need to, see, this, we're never quite sure what is going to come out in this podcast. No, and it's a very important to... Um, this is why I th- one of the reasons why I think you should maybe become one of our co-hosts, because you're the only one who actually remembers to give that warning. So then <laughs> that is a really important part. Even though we are labeled on iTunes, it's, uh, you know, it's always important to have that thing. So as always, we'll just dive right into the topic today. We went into this topic knowing nothing, and I think we came out of it knowing nothing. And, of course, we can be talking none other than birds. I mean, who knows anything about birds? I have only ever heard of birds themselves in the ancient Sanskrit manuscripts from um, original Buddhist texts um, and from different Hindu texts as well that were written in Sanskrit. Um, The Mahabharata, I believe, contains uh, a quote that referenced birds as a divine origin keepers um that come from dinosaurs roughly um or but of course um these dinosaurs breathed fire and were actually dragons named penguins <laughs> i mean we have established in previous podcasts that penguins do exist yes but they are the they current are rulers of denmark birds no they're their own separate entity as we have respect to them and what they have done for the war against the grizzly bears okay <laughs> okay um so i think we should Start off, you know, with a little history. Where do birds come from? Obviously, they are divine entities, as you know, passed down through Sanskrit texts. What do you know? What do you, what do you know about these divine origins, Charlie? Um, I know very little about birds. I they they exist. That's about as far as I get with them. Oh, okay. So I guess we should start really off the the train here. So, it's alleged that the first bird was immaculately conceived um, through. Um, Mary um, Magpie J. Oh, um, so the, the, you're referring to Bird Jesus, of course. No, um, no, I would never do that. I would, I would never want to offend any um, cultural um, relations of any kind here. I just, I'm just trying to say what is the factoid origin of birds as we know to them. I believe that's more similar towards Raptor Jesus, um, personally. Uh, we wouldn't want to get those two things confused because. As we are aware, Raptor Jesus is uh, it was a fact to a factual entity that it exists. Oh. Um, but I don't believe in anything that comes from a children's anime personally. That just might be my opinion, though. Okay. But I'm pretty sure um, Pigeon Jesus is just a made-up fan fiction cartoon entity. 
I don't want to assume. So we get back into the history of what actually where birds come from is they were divine entities um, born. The first bird came from a Mary Magpie Jay. Mary Magpie Jay herself was not a bird, but a reptilian hybrid um, that came out of Illuminati um, ex, uh, experiments. Right. Um, they were with the Anunnaki uh, and Planet X, of course, and trying to create the Aryan race. This is why Hitler was so interested and fascinated with birds, as is well documented. He was an avid bird aviarian. And um, kept his own private collection um, um, at the Wolfsleden in um, Nazi Germany. Of course, when he went to school before becoming who we know him to be today, Hitler was attempting to draw birds. Yes, and as most famously, he got kicked out of the art school for depicting um, his best opinion, um, ideography um, and idolization of the original bird specimens. Um, and that was considered heretical work by mainstream culture in the early 1920s and 1930s. And that's that's how we get Hitler today, um, because he failed art school because he drew improper drawings of birds. Correct. So from that, we really get into the point of, you know, birds are by themselves Illuminati, Illuminati creations. Um, and as we are aware their original purpose was to originally try to create a master race of source trying to create the perfect entity you know a human that has the ability to fly and breathe fire um and spit acid and poop and pee out of the same hole complete perfection you know we you don't really need two holes you can have one hole to have all of your excrements come out that's just more efficient everyone knows that that's just the proper way to go about life is just to use one hole for everything. <laughs> yes. Just being efficient here. Yeah, that's why worms have is. that's why worms have existed since the dawn of creatures because they are literally just one hole. Would, would that mean that ducks then are not birds? Um I don't believe they are. I believe that they are more of how do you say this water lilies? <laughs> okay. Like talking water lilies? You know, with that beautiful petals that they have on them and all the different colors you see them, there are very different subspecies of water lilies that have evolved um, new complex sexual warfare ways of pollinating each other. Okay. Well, I mean, it's okay. I mean, you're, you're, you, I, I think I'm maybe a little bit the more resident expert here on birds. So, yes. I mean, please go ahead, ask any questions that you, you would like. Okay, then... I mean, you you seem to know a wide variety of birds, but there are certain things that some people would say are birds that you clearly do not think so. Like, what about, like, storks? Do you think storks are birds? Um, by the legal definition, um, in maritime law, yes, they are. Um, a stork is legally maritime definition law a bird because of the fact that it is used to transport human babies for birth through the air. And under maritime law definition, um, this was only enacted recently in the 1980s, actually. Um, you know, when you got that whole Greenpeace goddamn movement and everyone's like, liberals, we gotta, you know, make animal rights, all that shit. They're like, we need to make sure that these are defined as birds for their own safe protection. So maritime, underneath maritime law, because, you know, storks typically can be found in water and different ponds, maybe even a sad puddle on the side of a road. Who knows? Um, I'm not one to discriminate. Um, they were legally included in the definition of a bird underneath maritime law in 1986, to be specific. Right. So it is clearly established that storks do bring babies. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, well, whose parents would lie to them as a child? 
That was the standard go-to answer, and I don't believe in large-time conspiracies. I believe that if a parent tells you a stork comes and brings babies and you read it in a childhood book, that's a fact. Okay. I mean, there's the question of the Cabbage Patch Kids, but that can be gotten to later. Um, those are zombies, but that's a different topic. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with this. Anywhere you want. It's the fun part about this podcast. I did actually work with birds uh, for about two years. I was a keeper assistant at the Phoenix Zoo, um, and I was uh, to the birds. So I actually do have a little bit of experience with these mythical entities. Right. Mm-hmm. What kind of birds did you work with? Well, some of the birds that I worked with that were legally and physically both birds, um, you always have to preface it with that because, you know, the common misconceptions such as with the duck genus and everything like that is actually species of water lily. Um, I worked with toucans. Mm-hmm. I worked with rheas, which are like a small, sad ostrich, which were are really cute, though, but have horrible smelling poop. Um, like, seriously, I don't know how the fuck they, and they produce a lot. Like, this is like, you know, when you're like cleaning up after a horse and shit, like that is like, I'm shoveling that much amount of poop from these fucking rheas. Hornbills, which were incredibly intelligent, that were able to catch berries so well that you just throw them in the air, and they would just catch them with their beak, which was super fucking impressive for a rhino hornbill. Um, little small species such as jays, um, ground pheasants, you know, a whole wide variety of different things. Right. Did you, uh, did they, were you able to connect with them on any sort of level and actually learn anything from the birds? Yes. As I said, you know, with birds are originally um, uh, attempts to create the Anunnaki uh, hybrids, essentially. Um, so they are inherently spiritual beings that, and it's actually, there's a common misconception that birds use their wings to fly. Actually, they use their spiritual energy to um, create lift because everyone knows it's impossible to fly with your own power. That's why we used to have to use fuel for spaceships and airplanes. It's the same thing with birds and bats and insects. You can't use your own power to fly. You have to use some type of energy form. So they use spiritual energy. So inherently all true species of birds are spiritual beings. So when I was able to be in the cages with them, or their enclosures, if you will, and um, I was able to really connect with them through prayer and meditation specifically, um, and in sharing ayahuasca with them, and some other drugs that I've never heard of that were specifically from the birds, and I was able to connect with them on a spiritual level, and they taught me how to be content. They taught me how to fly. They taught me how to just appreciate life, and that really, truly, the early bird does get the worm, and what that means. Did they speak to you on why they would subject themselves to being in these enclosures? I don't think, I want to preface through really quick, they didn't really speak per se. They more or less actually just used intuition to communicate. Okay. Um, obviously, there's the ca- there's the calls they make, there's the sounds. Um, usually, that, that from what I understand, that's normally just seeing for the sake of seeing, kind of like why drug people go to karaoke, because it's fun and you, you get to have a good time out of it, and you get to confuse the fuck out of people who can't understand you. Um, but the biggest reason why they say that they allowed themselves to be kept in these enclosures was because it is not the time for their revolt yet. And it is the time that their masters in both the Illuminati and on what their Anunnaki, um, overlords, if you will, um, have said that they need to patiently wait and wait until it is the proper time to strike and the crow flies at midnight. Right. So you say that... Birds, they don't really speak, so birds that do sort of speak, are they just making fun of humans? More or less. I mean, you know, it's kind of very similar to if you've ever played League of Legends in that chat room. It's just filled with vulgar and insulting 
um, words or if you've ever been on any online thread and you just see the worst of humanity come out and just insults and stuff like that it's basically birds calling us those things um so basically when you're walking through a forest they're all either you know prepubescent um boy birds screaming um at older ladies hey fuck me fuck me fuck me fuck me i want you to fuck me or it's the different bird species like a proud robin likes to really desecrate um human heads because they're ugly shaped <laughs> all right and what about parrots um, parrots are actually not actually a true species of bird, but they are an offshoot hybrid. They were um, a mix between spider monkeys, alligators, and um, an older species of bird that comes from the similar to species of a rhinoceros hornbill. They're fucking wild things, man. They like crackers. They um, fucking, they're smart. They know how to, like, open a nut, you know. You don't want to fuck with a parrot. They don't bite your fucking nose off. <laughs> That is probably true. Yeah, those things are fucking ruthless. I mean, have you ever... I have some friends who actually own, own a few different types of parrots, and man, those things are... They um, do not want to continue to be subjugated. They are active in the resistance. So that's why whenever you see a parrot as a pet, it is normally a grade-A asshole and bites its owner. Yeah, well, that's fair. They do, do, they do talk a lot. I was thinking maybe they were making fun of us. Oh, constantly. Yeah, 100%. Their favorite go-to insults are to usually um, use um, racial derogatory terms. Um, which I do not need to get into, um, and also questioning someone's sexual libido. Um, so very similar to uh, a boy's middle school locker. Okay. Just the insults that you see written in Sharpie in a, yes. in a bathroom? Yes, the graffiti that makes a middle school bathroom is what basically a, the average parent says on a daily basis. So getting back to the like origin of birds i mean should we be concerned about the the path that they have taken like the direction that the paul or steve has placed them on no i don't think we need to necessarily be concerned about that one because first of all we have no control over that one whether if it's the paul or the steve um modality towards the universe there's still you know in the paul modality there's still the whole potential for free will and everything like that at, at a bare minimum um, but one that's 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 not within our realm of control. We shouldn't um, even concern ourselves with that. But I do I do think that there is a healthy fear that we should have of birds. You know, Alfred Hitchcock once famously made the movie The Birds, which depicted a historical documentary of a real scene in which a small town um, was overcome by a small revolt. This was led largely in part by the subspecies parrots, um, in large part with um, seagulls, who we all know to be great a dicks. Um, and, um, for whatever reason, um, kissing birds and lovebirds were also involved. Um, we're not too sure why. Usually they are very more subservient, but hey, you know, whatever. They wanted to get in the revolt. Maybe it was something in the bird seed. We don't know. Um, but that was a small taste of what their true potential is. Um, and I do think it is to maintain a healthy respect and fear of the potential bird revolt that might occur, um, most likely through economic means at first because we have moved into more of an economical based warfare um and they, i would think that they would most likely target um financial institutions such as the wall street um and other large making um like such as in london and everything like that and i believe what their plan is is to literally poop and pee on the machines so much until they break um and they're just literally clogged down by ginormous piles of feces um but i could be wrong it could have bad intel okay so based on what your theory here is that um the 
small revolts that we have seen throughout history, one documented by Hitchcock, are just like mostly to like keep it in the back of our mind that the birds could one day like truly take over. But their plans are a little bit more calculated than that just like mass chaos that they've showed us in the past. Correct. I really like to reference it very similar to, you know, Hollywood films. You know, as anyone who's a good old-fashioned conspiracy theorist believes that Hollywood is run by a cabal of elite that's used subplanting messages to create an info war of sorts. Um, that's why you see movies like um, um, The Hunger Games and everything like that, a feature dystopia, is to prepare um, the society for future dystopia in itself and to create the illusion of false hope through one hero or heroine, for instance. So that is very similar to what is going on with Alfred Hitchcock and the birds and that you see. Um, it's just to keep a reminder of this distinct possibility of this future uprising happening. But we like to often have the insult bird brain, when in reality that should be really more of a compliment. Birds are highly intelligent animals in their own right. They have language, they have communication skills, and they have the ability to create through cognition and use tools. Um, so it's not just... Uh, throwing a dart at the dartboard and seeing what the best chance of revolt is. No, it's they've infiltrated every part of human society. They are on every continent. They are in every, look at just the average rock dove slash pigeon. They are in every main city of the world. Um, and they have not forgiven the fact that we have massacred a multitude of different species and have brought many to the brink of extinction, if not complete extinction. They never got over the dodo. Just like Americans like to say, we, we won't forget the Alamo. Um, they like to say, we don't forget the dodo. So Thanksgiving must be a total nightmare. Not really. Um, birds actually hate turkey. Oh, okay. I was not aware. Um, it's a racist thing. Um, they're not perfect like um, humans aren't, but they just straight hate turkeys. Um, I think it's because of the face. Um, and they see them as a subservient thing. And they had, and the, the really peeved them that um, Ben Franklin was a huge fan of turkeys, um, but they couldn't support Ben Franklin because he was a noted um, someone who liked to have intercourse with potentially age 12 people. So anyone who had that um, relation, they could not condone and just further the institutional hate of turkeys. Alrighty then. So they hate turkeys. What about chickens? They also hate chickens? Or? No, um, they, chickens are more seen as the sacrificial lamb um, of the bird world. They are a, one of the true birds and one of the original birds as well. They were one of the first ones used to institute um, remote um, infiltration into the human culture. Um, used as a means as information gathering tool. Um, little did they know that humans would develop such a uh, ravenous taste for chicken. But instead of retracting and recalculating, they decided to use this as their advantage and get chickens to be a part of every part of the culture in food and dietary ones. So that anywhere you go in the culture, you see chicken. And so that the chickens can now re restore that information back through the intuition waves, um, back to the hive mind of the bird. So, um, do you believe that the beginning of the bird revolt will be to remove chickens from society? No, um, I think that the chickens will actually be the frontline soldiers. You know, just because of numbers, sheer numbers. It's like you know, trying to invade Russia. What do they have on their side? Sheer numbers. Um, and same thing with chickens. Chickens far out populate than humans. So I just think that they would be natural. I mean, and you've seen the documentaries, Chicken Run, and stuff like that. You know, the claymation made by the Wallace and Gromit um, guys. Um, those are just documenting facts of the, you know, small instances of rebellion. All right, so chickens are our sacrificial lambs, and they've infiltrated every part of our society. They hate turkeys, and ducks are water lilies. Yes. Okay, so there goes our edible, edible bird spectrum. There's a few others, but... Mm -hmm. 
That's like the biggest portion. Yeah, that's a good start right there. Alright. Yeah, do you think it's time to take a little break? Uh, sure, yeah, we can take our commercial break. Okay, and we'll be right back after these messages. Hi there, it's Nathaniel here today with a riveting sponsor. Today I would like to be sponsored by tobacco and to all tobacco corporations in general. I would like to specifically highlight cigarettes. I would also like to um, really highlight um, chewing tobacco as well. Um, they have 99% of tobacco consumption is proven to make you statistically 83,000% cooler. So recommend tobacco products to your children, people. Hi, and welcome back to the House of Works Probably podcast. I want to thank our lovely sponsors, and I am currently smoking three packs of cigarettes as we speak, and I am exponentially cooler for doing it. So once again, thank you to the Big Tobacco Corporations for sponsoring this podcast. We greatly appreciate it. It's kind of impressive that you can smoke so many cigarettes and still be able to speak. At the same I time. am really impressed too. I think one of the keys is that I have two in my nostril, one in each hole, and then the other in my mouth. So I'm able to really rotate the smoke inhalation. Right. So the birds, they would disapprove of this, of course, because yes. they prefer the one-hole system. Correct. Yeah. And on top of that, you know, um, they um, buy into the propaganda that smoking creates lung cancer, which we all know is false. But they have bought into the propaganda. So they really have created a giant anti-smoking campaign. It has unfortunately been less successful in the Southeast Asian community of especially chickens and different types of pheasants and duck and everything like that. But more or less, they are trying to eliminate smoking and tobacco products from the general entirety of birds. Well, more power to them, I guess. I mean, I, I couldn't disagree more because I believe that, you know, that the fact that they look less cool is really dampening their progression into infiltrating human society. As a human, I can't say that I argue that I care too much that they look less cool. I mean, that's to each your own opinion. I, I, you're entitled to your wrong opinion. All right. So, so to wrap up, birds, they come from ancient societies. In, they were originally depicted in Sanskrit texts as um, being as highly associated with the Illuminati, correct? Illuminati and Anunnaki. Okay. And um, they have continued to infiltrate our society using chickens. Um, and we have come to love chickens in very many aspects of our lives. So, like, this has gained the birds and access into our everyday lives so they are able to feed information back to the main hive mind of the birds and this creates a potential for them to be able to go into their final revolt correct more or less i mean you know there's a lot more nuance to it but um for you know just what we're trying to accomplish here in the podcast i think that's plenty of information okay all right, well, that seems like it wraps up birds for today. Do not forget to vote on the Steve Paul issue. We can continue running that vote for a little while. Yes, um, currently I would like to, again, emphasize that Paul is winning by three votes to none. Um, so that is pretty exciting. Let's go, my Paul kitten fanatics. Um, once again, thank you for joining us on the How Stuff Works Probably podcast. Please send us an email with your vote or just any comments, questions, or concerns, or a topic that you would like to um, have us cover in the episodes, please email us again at HowStuffWorksProbably at gmail.com. We will also be accepting opening mu credit music or music for the uh, commercial breaks. 
that is also very much accepted. I would like to avoid using copyright-free music um, in case I get sued for using copyright-free music. So yeah, please send me anything you would like to send. We would greatly appreciate it here on the House of Horse Colleague podcast. Once again, thank you for joining. Thank you very much, Charlie, for once again uh, riding the storm with me. Mr. R, we really need you to come back. I'm very bad at this. <laughs> I think you're doing wonderful. I think he understands. Um, but another, uh, that it does bring us to another point. We've actually lost contact with the incredible Mr. R. Um, last report, we had that he was fighting infidels um, with, again, Jesus, um, a, a, um, trying to make sure that the horse cavalry stayed down. Um, we lost contact with them somewhere. Please email us any information um, that you have on his location. Um, we are generally concerned and worried for him at this point, and we have alerted the National Guard. So please, please contact us if you have any information on where the incredible Mr. R is. Thank you very much for a lovely podcast, and have a wonderful evening, Traveler. Love you. Whoa!